today's webinar is titled Making Time for Continuous Improvement. I'm Mark Raven, VP of Customer Success from Kinexus, and I'd like to welcome you to today's session. I couldn't be happier to be here, Mark, um, and uh, glad everyone could find the time to join us. Okay, well, thanks. And by the way, that is Dr. Greg Jacobson, uh, who we, we're going to be presenting today on this topic that we're both really excited about and really uh, passionate about. So our, again, our theme is about time. And at least in my prep, I was, I was checking out some tunes online. I was listening to music on, uh, on YouTube and through Spotify. And it's amazing how many songs there are that, that are about time, that have a theme related to time. So one of those, and I'm not going to sing any of these. Greg's not going to sing either, right? Oh, you didn't? I've been preparing no, for uh, weeks. All right. Well, okay. all right. we, we might get voted uh, off uh, off stage by the audience if we sang. But you know, there's an old song uh, by the band The Outsiders, and, and the, the title of the song is Time Won't Let Me. I think, well, that's, that's an interesting view of time. Time's not letting you do anything. That seems a little self-defeating. And then I don't know, Greg and I both grew up during the 80s, and, and here's old boy George in Culture Club. One of their uh, famous songs says, time won't give me time. You know, Mark, it's, it's funny. If, if a year ago you would have told me we were going to give a webinar and there was going to be boy George on one of the slides, I would have totally <laughs> thought you had absolutely lost it. But I love the fact that we were able to get boy George somehow well, in there. a week ago you thought I was crazy <laughs> for, for working in. Boy George. But again, you know, I think of these songs, time won't let me, time won't give me time. And maybe I'm overthinking it, but you know, if we think about time and continuous improvement, we might ask, well, you know, time won't let me. Are we being a victim? Are we blaming the world? Are we blaming time? Are we being a victim or are we in control of how we manage our time? Um, it's really a matter of are you being passive or active with what your day what you're doing during the day? Yeah. And so, you know, people and I catch myself saying this all the time, we say, well, you know, I don't have time to do blank. And I'm trying I've, I've been trying to rack my brain about what book this was uh, that I read a few years ago. I had this real insight that said, if you find yourself saying, I don't have time to let's say I don't have time to do continuous improvement. The more honest way of saying that or thinking about it would be to say this. I choose not to make time for blank for continuous improvement that for the most part, you know, it's maybe less true in the workplace. We have control over our calendars and how we allocate time from when we wake up uh, till uh, the time we go to sleep. And so I think, you know, this applies in our in our everyday lives. Right. So what we're really talking about here is priorities. I mean, you know, what you do during your day is your priority, you know, um, sort, if you will. So so, for example, um, I used to never have time to work out or to exercise. And then I ended up discovering the game of squash. And uh, with squash, you actually have to book time on the court. It's like making an appointment. You have a partner that's going to show up. And so we're going to talk about how by creating some rigor around uh, what you're doing and the activities that you do, you should be able to make time. Right. And if you're saying, well, I don't have time to play squash, I don't have time to do continuous improvement. It's really a priority decision on how you're doing things. So did you ever tell yourself at some point, well, hey, I'm choosing not to. Exercise. No, I mean, I used to I used to always think, oh, I just I don't have time to exercise. But we really need to emphasize and get into the mindset that that is a choice that you're making on how to spend time through your day. 
Yeah, and, and I tell you, this year I've been a lot more disciplined about exercising uh, since booking appointments and time with a personal trainer. So there's kind of that commitment, there's a choice, and a lot of times, and we'll talk about this in, in different forms back in the workplace, by making a commitment makes it easier uh, to follow up on that. But I would think at times when I used to sort of play the victim and say, well, I didn't have time to work out today. Mm. And if I really stepped back and thought about it, I said, well, I did wake up and then lay in bed playing with my phone for 45 minutes, looking right. at Facebook, looking at Twitter. I'm like, well, you know what? That was that was a choice. I chose to do that instead of choosing to getting up out of bed and going to the gym. So let's let's kind of think through, you know, what are the barriers to breaking through that thought process, right? Yeah, and people often, I mean, when you think about barriers, we hear this all the time in, in workshops uh, that, that I do. We, we always have a feedback survey after the webinar, and we, we'd invite you to please fill that out. Tell us what you think about uh, the webinar. But we always ask people a very open-ended question, what are your barriers to improvement and innovation? And the most frequent response is to say some variation of, well, there's a lack of time. Staff don't have time, managers don't have time, we don't have time to do this. And so that's part of why we have this as a topic today. Right, and, and I think it's, it's a fact. I mean, people are busy, right? Organizations that are doing great continuous improvement work weren't organizations that just had an hour blocked out every day where they were doing nothing. They were you know, seemingly doing what they thought was the right standard work at the time and recognizing maybe there's a better way to do this. So. There's no one that, that that started doing continuous improvement work that wasn't busy. Just right. Let's keep that in mind. Right. And, and it's a fact. People are busy. But I would step back and look at you know, kind of general broader lean methodology and, and where we teach people to look at the difference between being busy and adding value. How much of our busyness is waste? How much of that can be taken out of our day? by making different changes to how we do our work or the choices that we're making uh, and allocating our time as, as we're going to dig into here in the webinar. But yeah, Greg, you, you raise a great point. I don't think any um, organization that we would now consider a, to be a great continuous organization started off with the luxury of a lot of time. Right, right. I think they found a way of breaking that cycle. That, we're going to talk a lot about that cycle. Yeah, that cycle of, well, we're too busy, so therefore we don't improve, therefore things get worse, therefore we've got even somehow even less time. Right. And, and there's ways of breaking that cycle to turn it into a positive. So kind of as we're thinking through this and as we're talking about kind of tactically how to think through making time, we need to recognize that this perception is, is that you either are going to control the way you spend your day or your organization is going to spend your day or you're going to passively you know, be not in control. And if you're going to be passive, then there will never be the time. But if you all of a sudden change your mindset into who owns that time and uh, recognize that, you know, your priority list is essentially how you spend your time, you can start figuring out, well, how am I going to change? Yeah. So let's go back into sing-along mode for a second. Here's another oldie but a goodie. Uh, Jim Croce, his song, Time in a Bottle. And he's saying, you know, if I could put time in a bottle. Now, you know, time can't be bottled. Time for improvement. can't. We can't go to the store and buy a bottle of and, time. And I can't grow a mustache like that. You might yeah. be able to. Greg's hair is about as long as Jim Croce's hair. He, <laughs> he just got a haircut. But, you know, within the song, if you really look into the lyrics, uh, Croce sings, you know, but there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. 
And again, I mean, overthinking the song again, it makes me think of continuous improvement. You find things you want to change. You find problems, you find opportunities for improvement. And we see people often get stuck in that stage. They, they've got ideas, but they, they don't move forward on them. They don't act. And that's where as, as leaders, I think we have to help them. Yep, yep. They, I always tell people when you're frustrated at work, instead of that being a negative experience, turn that into a positive experience because that's really an opportunity for improvement. So don't do the work around. Stop. Take the time to log it. There's going to be time. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit of when you can address that. Yep. So I think to come back to the question of not having time or the issue of not having time, you know, we kind of ask, well, you know, which form of the problem is it? And this is, I think, you know, a general mindset that, that lean folks, Toyota people have taught me. We say if something is not happening, if people aren't following the standardized work, let's say part of that standard is that we do continuous improvement every day, every week, but it's not happening. So we, we can ask, you know, it might be a matter of, well, they can't make time for Kaizen. And, and that might be an issue where they just, they don't know how. They don't know how to do Kaizen, so therefore they're not making time for it because they're not comfortable, they're not confident, they're not inspired, or they just don't know how to do it. So that can be addressed. Right, or, or the leadership isn't providing you know, a schedule, and we'll talk a little bit how that can happen, where truly, you know, the frontline staff can't make time. It's going to take leadership participation. It's going to take leadership behavior. We talk about that kind of a ton in general throughout our website, all of our content and our webinars. But this is, you know, a, a could potentially be a leadership behavioral issue or, you know, a combination of frontline behavior as well. Yeah. Yeah. So and we've got the can't where we need to help and coach and we'll talk more about coaching later. There's the don't. They just they don't make time for Kaizen. They know how mm-hmm. they have the ability and they're just not doing it um, for, for whatever reasons. And then there's the more explicit won't. They're, they're choosing not to because of some belief that goes stated or unstated, such as I don't think my employees have ideas. Right. You know, a manager who thinks their employees don't have ideas worth spending time on or you know it might really be an active choice i don't i'm not going to do this i'm very intentionally choosing not to i think that's rare yeah i look at this and i think these issues are all fixed with either a you know question mark at the end of the second bullet no just joking these are all fixed with behavioral um leadership um, behavioral issues yeah you know all of these can be addressed in that way and and it depending on which answer it is it's going to depend on how the leadership addresses that. But this is really a leadership-driven issue. Right. And, and my excuse is that I didn't have time to put in that question mark. <laughs> <laughs> but when you talk about lack of time and making things a priority, and I ask this as a thought experiment, you know, do we ever – I hope this isn't true. I, I know I've never, I've never run out of gas mm. uh, in general, so I don't want to jinx myself. But I, I don't hear anyone – being late to something and saying, you know, I ran out of gas. Why'd you run out of gas? Well, I didn't have time to fuel up my car. You know, if you, if you drive places and that's your mode of transportation, you have no choice but to carve out time and, and add fuel to your car. And I, and I think of Kaizen in a way as fuel for the organization. Right. If you want to succeed, you've got to take time and, and add fuel um, through engagement and, and implementing ideas. So it's great because you use the word if you want to succeed. And, and I thought you were going to use the word if you want to improve, 
then you need to work on improvement. But I think we're entering a time, no pun intended, where the organizations that are going to exist in 5, 10, 15 years are the ones that are actually doing this type of work, not necessarily the ones that just want to improve. I mean, this might be a matter of survival. Well, and that makes me think of the, uh, the, the, the W. Edwards Deming quote, something you know, along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing that, um, you know, learning is not mandatory, improvement is not mandatory, survival is not mandatory. So we, we learn by doing Kaizen and we improve and, and, you know, that leads to success, which is really, you know, the goal. We have goals as a hospital or as a manufacturing company and continuous improvement is a, a fun, nice, good thing to do, but it's meant to drive results over time. So there, you know, there are there are organizations that we would maybe describe as having a culture of continuous improvement. I've been fortunate to visit some of these organizations. And the funny thing is, so you know, when people are getting started with this, they're focused on time. How do I make time? How much time is it going to take? And when you ask people how much time do you spend on continuous improvement, I had somebody once respond and they said you know, somewhat cryptically, well, how much time do you spend breathing each day? Like, well, I I don't know. I, I last I checked, I'm breathing all day long, thankfully, and even while I sleep. You know, and uh, you might think of breathing in the you know see the picture here of meditation, and there might be times where there's very intentional breathing, and you're focusing on it, and you're doing it. And uh, I don't know. I don't meditate, so maybe the metaphor's uh, a bad one here. But at some point, it just becomes natural. Let me ask right? you though, taking to the person that that the organization isn't doing anything. You know, what would be kind of a, a minimum amount of time to get this started? I mean, we're talking, is this a eight hours a week kind of thing? Is this a 20 hours a month? I and mean, what's kind of, well, yeah, give me give me a realistic kind of time commitment, if you will. I mean, that's a good question. Um, maybe we can get input from people via the question box if they're doing this. I think you see some organizations that do a 15-minute huddle every day. So, so, so really, you can get this started well, in just as little as 15 minutes a day. Yeah, well, I think that's a start, start because yeah. generally during the huddle, that's for communication, not for in-depth problem solving or implementation. So people might spend, you step back and say, is it reasonable to spend, everyone spend 30 minutes a day on improvement within an eight-hour or 10-hour day? Probably. I mean, I think it is if we make that a priority. So one other organization that I would really describe as a culture of continuous improvement is uh, Franciscan St. Francis Health in Indianapolis. And if you want to watch a video uh, with Holland, who you see pictured here, the, the URL is on the slide. Holland's the manager of the endoscopy unit, where they do hundreds and hundreds of Kaizens every year. Small, continuous improvements driven by frontline staff. There's a real excitement and energy. And I asked Holland, well, how much time do you spend on improvement? And she said, for one, she said, we're constantly thinking about it. it. Kaizen, I think to kickstart it, it's something that you're doing. It's a specific practice, maybe like carving out time for meditation. But they say, you know, during the day, they find a problem, they write it down. They find a problem, they talk about it, they work on it. It's just become so embedded in their lives. And like Colin says, you know, that time put into Kaizen is an investment that frees up more time. So it's not time you're spending, we, we use that language, spending time. This is investing time and getting into a virtuous cycle where you identify a problem, you reduce some waste, that frees up time. What do you do at that time? Let's do more improvement. 
And then Holland also you know, had some kind of specific tips about isolating time in staff meetings. They already had that commitment, like Greg, like your, uh, your squash appointment. Right. We have that time in the meetings. Let's carve out some of that to talk about new employee ideas and to, to use that time for Kaizen. Or one thing they did is what she called Kaizen blitzes. And she doesn't mean a Kaizen blitz, like a week-long rapid improvement event, but she said just a period where you, you kind of get people over their lunchtime and ask them to brainstorm and to document ideas that are in their heads that they haven't written down or put into a system, uh, like in our, the case of our customers, to, to actually put it into Kinexus, not have that idea just floating around. And this, I think, is a great example of the interplay between um, leadership and methodology, and, and we're going to do dovetail this into you know, how Kinexus can help promote that. But this is a leader that's saying, you know, we need to emphasize, we need to prioritize this type of work. I recognize we're all very busy during the day, and I'm not trying to take away people's lunch hour per se, but you know there is some downtime where you can go and you can brainstorm and you can think of and you can extract the ideas, the frustrations, the roadblocks that they had in their morning uh, period and get that out and and make it simple, right? I mean, don't overcomp. This is not a four-hour you know session. This is this is her finding a little bit. Maybe maybe she's just you know taking five or ten minutes of of, of a lunch of, mm -hmm. of someone to sit down and, and kind of work through that. And I think what we're going to find is the simpler you can make the methodology. And, and when I say methodology, if you if you have a 25 step process to put something in, you know, and to work on it, that's really going to limit right. when you can take advantage of these kind of little lulls in your day. Right. So keeping it simple. And then making sure that your middle-level supervisor leadership, which is really going to be driving a lot of this continuous improvement work, recognizes that they are going to have to model that behavior, that right. they're going to have to hold people accountable. Yep. So another organization that we often hold up as a model of uh, continuous improvement culture is Toyota. And so when you go to the visitor center and the plant in San Antonio, and that's where this picture is from, and you talk to them about making time for improvement. They use time that's available. If the line goes down because of a breakdown or part shortage, they would never dream of sending people home early for a number of reasons. One is they want to take advantage of that time to improve. The second thing one of the tour guides talked about once, and this was a frontline employee, um, somebody asked, well, you talk about Kaizen, but everyone's busy building trucks. Right. How do you do that? And, and she just, she explained well, if I've got an idea and we don't have time to work on it, I'll talk to my supervisor. They generally approve overtime to stay and work on improvement. And that so flies in the face of, I think, the norm, at least what I see in hospitals, of just always you know, cut, cut, cut labor costs, send people home early. You know, you can't have overtime. And so, well, you're saving money, but what does that cost you in terms of not doing improvement? So you don't want to have a blank check and spend a fortune on overtime, but I think that's a reasonable way to break that cycle of not having time. I think it's a good time to kind of remind you that if the, your organization is using Kinexus, developing the ROI calculation on that's pretty simple, right? It easily allows you to track the impact of the improvement work, and you can really start justifying um, being able to, you know, keep people on 
um, maybe a little bit after their shift or doing a little bit of overtime. We're not trying to be unrealistic and say everyone should be getting 50% overtime, but you know, recognizing that you know, and putting your money where your mouth is and say, hey, this is actually really important. We're not going to send you home right. to try to save a buck. We actually want you to improve because we know in the long term that's going to be much better for the organization and you personally. Yeah. So to get things started, uh, Greg is going to talk about that. So, and everyone can say, oh, cute dog, right? <laughs> um, so, we, you know, as we were talking and kind of brainstorming um, uh, about re really what are the best strategies that we've seen organizations use to, to continue doing continuous improvement work and then to start doing continuous improvement work, we have to really kind of recognize that cycle that you were talking about, right? If you are so focused on, well, I'm going to do my work, whether it's exactly standard or not, that's a separate debate. But if you're never looking and reanalyzing your standard work to see if you can get better, oftentimes you're doing a lot of non-value added work, right? You're doing a lot of waste. And so it's about breaking the cycle and the energy of breaking the cycle is going to be higher. So we know that a body at rest tends to stay at rest. It, kind of quasi related is the Einstein quote or something to the effect of, you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Right. Yeah. So if we recognize that we're going to have to break that cycle and we'll talk a little bit about breaking that cycle, it's actually going to be more energy and harder to make the initial break than to continue the break. And to me, I'm a physics kind of, you know, minded person. And it's the exact difference between static and kinetic friction, right? To start moving a box on the floor takes a ton of energy. Once it's moving, it doesn't take out very much energy to keep it moving. And that's going to be the same case with doing continuous improvement work. Starting that first week, starting that first month, starting that first six weeks is going to be infinitely, well, not infinitely, but a significant more amount of energy to get that going than to keep it going. And, and that's, why is that? Because we're going to talk about the habit loop of what you're really doing. You're creating organizational habits. So I love this book. I've mentioned it several times in the past. And um, if you haven't read this book, um, I would highly recommend it, The Power of Habit. And it, it, in nowhere in this book does it talk about lean or process improvement. It talks about habits. It talks about personal habits and organizational habits as well. And so when we think through, well, how do you create organizational habits to do this type of work? you recognize that there's going to be a couple of methodologic principles that you're going to have to see. Okay. So the first thing you're going to have to do is recognize what we call the habit loop. And so the habit loop is there's a cue, right? Then you do a routine and then you get a reward. And once you get that reward, it starts letting you recognize when you get the cue again, you're going to do the routine and get the reward. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of times we talk about continuous improvement methodology has to be disciplined. Right. right? And, Go ahead. And I think one other key is to have these cycles to be fast. Fast. So whether it's lean or people in the lean startup world talk about rapid cycles of learning. And let's say the problems uh, with suggestion box systems is that those are generally very slow cycles of learning. I might be trying to develop a new routine of putting something in a suggestion box. And this would apply to a digital suggestion box as well. And then uh, Kinexus is not a digital site, the suggestion box. It's not that model uh, at all. But, you know, in the suggestion box, there's slow feedback. You might not get a positive reward in terms of a thank you, uh, a way to go, um, the, the, the support to go make that idea into an actually implemented improvement. 
when you have these rapid cycles, especially early on when you start with small improvements. I've got an idea, boom, we made it happen. We get the, uh, the reward of, wow, that made my work a little easier. That improved things for the patients. That's a, a positive uh, reinforcement to then go do more improvement. So, there's, there's, so just to kind of recap that, because I, I think this is the crux of what we're talking about with kind of the tactical way, how do you really start making time? Well, you start making time by making this a habit, okay? How do you make it a habit? Well, you need a cue, you need a routine, and you need a reward. And if you can't do that in a rapid cycle way, you're not going to be able to break that cycle. Yeah. And it's, one other thing I would add is that that reward does not have to necessarily mean money. No, I know. In fact, the, the reward I'm thinking about and, and the reward I see mostly when we're, we're seeing people really start doing that type of action that's going to lead ultimately to a culture change is, you know, coming to work mm -hmm. and, and, and looking around work and physically seeing the improvements that were made. And, and recognizing that the frustrations and the bottlenecks that are happening sometimes in your workplace are being eliminated by you guys, by the frontline staff. That is the greatest reward that ends up getting created. And that's what ends up, that is a cycle that ends up. And this is another reason I think when we talk about Daniel Pink, we talk about extrinsic versus intrinsic rewards. Right. That, you know, the reason why continuous improvement works towards that intrinsic reward is because the, the, the reward is immediate and it relates to actually how you're spending your time in your day. So that therefore allows you to do better right. and you know be more efficient or provide more value or satisfy people. So the key thing here is, is that we're gonna talk about a cue and we're gonna talk about why daily huddles or, or some kind of form of huddles or you know recurring meetings really work. And in the routine here, it can't be too onerous, right? If the routine of doing the work takes so much energy and so much work, that you'll never be able to get it done. And if you're only focusing on projects, let's say your projects take two years to complete, you never create that 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 habit, that right. that cycle. And so that's why what we find is daily huddles really work well. Mm -hmm. And you can replace daily with whatever. It can be, you know, you were talking, you want to talk well, about Well, I, I saw a hospital last week where they started with daily huddles and they learned, I guess in a plan, do, study, adjust sort of way, that daily huddles uh, were, were too fast. They didn't have enough uh, progress on their different improvements to update the team about improvements. So they went back to three days a week with the huddles. But I would suggest there, uh, I hope they would take that 15 minutes that would have otherwise been a huddle and use that to implement their ideas, test their ideas to do Kaizen so they could come back and report uh, up, updates to the team in that next huddle. So yeah, they don't have to be huddles or they don't have to be daily, sorry. Uh, the huddles go whatever routine and frequency is helpful. But when you get that habit, we know we're going to come at the certain time and that the huddles are helpful. I think that's the key. When I hear people say, ah, we stopped doing huddles. Why? They weren't helpful. Right. There's that no reward. Right? Well, yeah. Yeah, there's no reward. And, and so I would suggest instead of giving up on the huddles, make the huddles useful. Right. Instead of just following a script that was maybe dictated to you, you know, figure out what's the agenda. What are the topics? How do you facilitate the habit? The huddle set becomes a habit. Right. So that, I mean, yeah. And I think that the huddle is not being helpful. It means that there is no reward in that. Right. If at the end of the process you, you haven't made anything better, then there is no, you know, the next time the queue comes, you're going to, oh, yes, I want to do that because I actually I get, you know, a benefit from doing that. And, and it's really so emphasizes why low cost, low risk, 
things that you can do in you that you're empowered to do in your workplace work so well for doing continuous improvement. All right, so it's time for another song break. All right. <laughs> 80s heavy metal. How do we work in 80s heavy metal? The band Poison. So I, I love the fact that what we have here is we have um, a, a tremendous amount of hair product being displayed on the yes. scene right now. Yes, this yeah. is quite And we're going to learn from, from these gentlemen. Yeah. So, you know, they have their song, Ain't, lo Ain't Looking for Nothing But a Good Time. Uh, but if you dig into the lyrics again. Which Mark does often. I do this. I They sang... I'm always working, slaving every day. That's about the dorkiest way I could read these lyrics, right? If you're actually <laughs> hearing the song. I'm working and slaving every day. So there's a negative workplace. I got to get away from that same old, same old. So that's often the inspiration for Kaizen. I'm tired of these problems or the boredom or uh, the drudgery or the, the jumping through hoops. I need a chance just to get away. And if you could hear me think, this is what I'd say. So what I what I hear from this lyric is, boy, if you would just listen to those employees who are frustrated and slaving away, um, get them to, to express their ideas and to take action. Um, maybe that, that idea is provide free hairspray in the bathroom. <laughs> but what I'm taking from this is I think we need to have a poison dressing day in the next office. Right? So... We've got to listen to people and we've got to engage them. Part of that, I think even before we listen to them, is this idea, this powerful idea, a book I really loved recently, uh, is the book Switch uh, by, by Chip and Dan Heath. It's, it's been out, people have been recommending this to me for five years and I finally read it. Like I'm going to finally read um, The Power of Habit. Oh, so you made Greg's some time to read it. And I'm going to make time. <laughs> I did make time to read this book. I chose to do this. And one of the things they talk about in the book here is not just trying to be logical and rational, but to appeal uh, to emotion and to, as they call it, paint the postcard. What does a better future look like? Imagine a future where we're providing the best possible care uh, to patients or service to customers. Imagine a future where a workday is less frustrating and we get to go home on time and we get to feel good about what we're contributing. I think you know, a, a, a vision like that can be compelling in addition to establishing a vision of uh, the organization being more successful. And this, this concept reminds me of Simon Sinek's, you know, start with why. And uh, if, if you are a Kinexus customer and you are not aware, we're having our first annual user conference and the entire theme is going to be you know, start with why and, and walking through that. And um, we just are about to announce we're going to open up a couple of slots to non-customers. If people are interested, please reach out to us about that. So we establish a vision and then often quite simply just we've got to talk to people. Mm -hmm. We can't ask, why aren't you speaking up? We've got to go and ask them what problems you see, what opportunities do you see, what are your ideas and if we've painted a vision and we ask for their ideas, sometimes people figure out on their own how to make time or how to take advantage of time that presents itself during the day because they're self-motivated. Instead of, I heard, I talked to a nurse yesterday who's a friend of mine who complained about her coworkers sitting at the nurse's station reading magazines. And you know, rather, and none of us, neither she or I were blaming the nurses for being bad people. I would ask, why aren't they being uh, engaged? To, to take better use of that time because they would all complain there are times 
when it's frantic and busy and there's too much waste and they don't have time to fix anything, but yet they have time to sit and read a magazine. Right, right? Right. So we need to kind of inspire people, not ban magazines, but make them want to participate in continuous improvement. That's and the, and that, that engagement of, might not be happening. That extrinsic versus that intrinsic motivation that we talk a lot, a lot about. And that engagement is is got to come from the direct supervisors, mid-level managers that are going into the workplace, going into the Gemba and trying to extract this type of stuff. Yeah, because there's this impasse of the employees saying, why don't you ask me what I think? And the managers are saying, why don't you speak up? Okay. I think the managers have to break that cycle. So as there are uh, slow periods within a day or within a week or within a year because of seasonality, it's a very common strategy to take advantage of those times. So I, I know a hospital lab, for example, that knows during uh, the winter, they're really crazy busy with uh, virology and other types of testing. They tend to accumulate ideas and opportunities for improvement to then implement later in the year during the slow time. So that might not be ideal, but that's better than not improving at all that they can take advantage of that down period, implement improvements that then make the next peak season a little bit less stressful. So we might think about a chart that shows, you know, the amount of time available in a day or in a week or in a year, some fixed amount of time. And then we might kind of map out and you, you can look at your volumes and demand uh, over, over time. And, and sort of chart that out. And sometimes you see very predictable, repeatable patterns. And like, well, what do we do with the time in between the direct work, such as patient care or installing doors on a Toyota truck? What do we do with that excess time? I think one thing you can do is use that time for Kaizen instead of by reflex sending people home early and not having any quote unquote waste turn that waste into continuous improvement, which allows you to provide better quality and improve productivity in the longer term. How do you take advantage of that time? So one, once you've identified that time, like you don't want to say, hey, hey, Greg, we got 30 minutes now for continuous improvement and spend 20 minutes talking about, well, oh gosh, what could we do? Um, we want to, actually uh, be ready to take advantage of that. So having a list of OIs, opportunities for improvement at the get-go, kind of like a job jar or a to-do list can be really helpful. The things you know that we can take advantage of. So one of our customers, a great user of Kinexus, they have a list of active OIs. If somebody on that team has some time available, gosh, what, what could I do right now? They can remind themselves, if it's not on the front of their mind, go into Kinexus and say, oh, right, yeah, I was going to work on that medical staff Rolodex. I've got an hour. Let me try to knock that out before I go home. So gathering ideas, holding them until you have time or until you make time can be a, a really helpful strategy. I think it's a good, <clears throat> not directly related, but a good thing to, to bring up. One of the things that we've noticed with our customers is, there are people at your organizations that are really great at originating opportunities for improvement. Right. And there are other people that are really great at kind of modifying and working and collaborating and making that opportunity for improvement either doable or even better. And, and we should recognize that, you know, not everyone needs to kind of submit 
or not everyone needs to work on, but it's going to be collaborative team process and allow people to do what they're really good at. And I think, you know, having a, a register, if you will, of things to always be able to, to look to when there is that downtime plays into that really nicely. So let's say we've gotten the ball rolling. We've, we've set the vision. We are uh, establishing uh, a process for continuous improvement. And we, we may hit some troubles right, right. where it feels like, oh, we're back to ground, uh, back to the step one. So yeah, the band Foreigner was big in the, the 70s and the 80s. They had a song, feels like the very first time. And we may feel like that about Kaizen. It seems like we're struggling like it was in the beginning. Um, I, I would climb any mountain. Uh, sail across the stormy sea. So when we hit those troubles, right. leaders need to help people navigate those choppy right. waters. It's that kind of kinetic friction versus um, um, static friction, right? Yeah. Sometimes the box is going to stop moving um, and you're going to have to kind of re-engage it. A little yeah. Bit. So yeah. We, we may have already talked to people about the need for improvement. I love the example of Dr. Marwan Abajud, who's at Henry Ford uh, in, in Michigan, who set an example for his team saying, hey, I think 20 minutes a day would be a, a good target. Um, and saying, nobody will be criticized or punished for taking time to work on Kaizen and reminding people of that and setting a goal. He pulled 20 minutes out of thin air, mm -hmm. I think. But just sort of establishing, look, you know, we there's so much, quote unquote, regular work to do. If we don't occasionally take a pause to focus on improvement work, we're going to be stuck in the hamster wheel or the, the rat race or I'm mixing rodent metaphors <laughs> here. But leaders need to sort of help continually set and reinforce these expectations. It's OK to make time. Uh, our friends at Fedicare, uh, I don't know if they invented this idea, but it's become very popular through them, the idea of a no meeting zone. So in 2008, they set up this, uh, this notion between 8 and 10 every day, there would be no formally scheduled conference room type meetings. So what do you do instead? Go to the Gemba, go out into the workplace, work on projects, do huddle boards, do Kaizen. That's a very creative way of sort of carving out and freeing up time. And this is that, that's a cycle, right? Or that habit loop that we're talking about. There's a queue, the queue is between eight and 10, the routine is you go to Gemba, the benefit is you're actually going to improve some stuff. And I think what's interesting is, is we, if we think about, okay, so we know it needs to be disciplined, whether that's kind of every day or a couple times a week or once a week or maybe a couple times a month. We know that kind of doing it more with less frequency than once a month is probably not going to work, right. right? You can't work out once a quarter and think you're going to have results. Um, but but also, I, I remember, you know, being in um, – financial planning classes in college, right? And they, they talk about, well, how do you make a budget? And what, what do they talk about with the savings? You don't, you don't do your budget and then figure out how much at the end is for savings. You, you put your savings line item right at the top. And I right. think if you look at organizations that are successful with doing continuous improvement work, they're going, you're going to see that it's, right. you know, daily huddles typically happen at the beginning of a shift or in the morning. Thetacare's example, you know, they're not making the no meeting time between, you know, 4 and 6 p.m., mm -hmm. you know, so you kind of get that work out of the way, if you will, Right. you know. Yeah, and they make that a priority. Instead and, of saying, and, right, and that's a priority. I, I don't have money to save. Right. You save first. You save first, exactly. And so we can also think, even if we don't have uh, a no-meeting zone, there's things that we can do and think, well, you know, if we're holding meetings, should that really just be a memo? If a meeting is only one-way communication, is that really a good reason to have a meeting? Instead of debating, making decisions, 
So you could cancel some meetings or you could decide, well, am I just going to a meeting and being a spectator? I know some organizations that sort of have a rule. If you're not contributing, you really just shouldn't be there. You should just be reading the notes or minutes that get published afterwards. So you could also say, well, just because I get invited to a meeting doesn't mean I have to attend. You could send a delegate or you could say, hey, just send me the minutes. That's another strategy for freeing up time. Or you can challenge the default 60 minute time slot and say, why are we always uh, scheduling by default when, when we should do more 30 minute meetings or 15 minute stand up meetings? A lot of times we just kind of take this for granted. Yep. Outlook doesn't help when it gives us a default of a, a 60, minute, 60 minute time. All right, so as we start to wrap up here, and again, thinking songs, I'm stuck in the 80s. I'm a child of the 80s. Cindy Lauper and her song, Time After Time. She sings, you know, we get caught up in circles. Confusion is nothing new. And that's going to happen when we, when we get into this process. We're confused about how do we know if we have good ideas? How do we know if we're doing the right things? And I'll, I'll just kind of harken back to the last webinar that Joe Schwartz and I did on Kaizen coaching. Joe Rockstar Schwartz? Yes, okay. Joe, Joe's a rock star. We had a ton of people <laughs> sign up for the webinar, and Joe was the variable, I think, for that. <laughs> but um, you can go to kinexus.com slash webinar, view the recording of that. The key is you've got to coach people. Don't just tell them you need to go improve. Don't just tell them you need to go make time. You, you have to coach and, and help and uh, work people through that. Joe did a, a great webinar last time. I feel like the word fostering comes to mind. You need to foster fostering. the right environment. Yeah, you know? that's a good way of putting it. So making time matters. We see this emphasized in different ways. So one thing I generally make time for is to, to read up on news. And I every morning I download the Wall Street Journal to my iPad. I take time to read it, to keep up on business news, to read interesting thought-provoking articles. Sometimes I multitask and I read while I'm eating, which would be a good example of multitasking. Um, but if you see one of the ads that they run in the iPad app is uh, Will I Am from uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, he's, he's on the boards of different tech companies. And you see the ad here, look, he's a busy guy. He doesn't have time, but he makes time to read the Wall Street Journal. When you're as cool as him, yeah. You know, that's just one of the things you do. Yeah. 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 And, and Greg is going to make time to keep up on uh, pop culture. Pop culture. Right. I was educated on, on who exactly <laughs> um, Will I Am is. But you could you could literally replace this quote with people who don't have time make time to do continuous improvement. Yes. I mean, we can do an ad series with some of our customers. There you go. Yes. Um, and kind of the final song, Peter Gabriel. I was a big Peter Gabriel fan. In the 80s, here he is in one of his goofy videos, his song, Big Time. Mm -hmm. And he sings, I'm on my way, I'm making it. And I think that's the key. When you get these positive cycles going with Kaizen, when you're building excitement, when people are, 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 are just taking advantage of those opportunities to identify a problem, to speak up, to fix it, to test it, to measure it, to be recognized and rewarded, that can be fun when you see that yeah, culture of continuous improvement and they're doing uh, better as an organization. And I think that's really the key. If we're going to reach the big time as an organization, we have to engage people. We have to make time for improvement. I think what's so exciting though, is that this doesn't take years to do. 
I mean, this literally, you can start doing this today, and within a couple of weeks, you've got huge, palpable impact to doing this um, type of work. So um, um, we can all be Peter Gabriel. Yes. <laughs> so um, before we, we get into Q&A, and I'll ask you, please uh, keep, keep submitting questions. Our next webinar, uh, Greg and I are going to do this on uh, Thursday, September 10th. Um, the title is going to be Bridging the Gap, How to Turn Ideas into Improvement. So maybe building on today's theme about making time, getting people to speak up, we're collecting ideas, and, and now what? So you can sign up for that by going to kinexus.com slash webinars. That's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to get some sort of like, you know, theme. Movie, movie references movie, somehow. Maybe we'll or, that, yeah. Well, I had somebody, uh, one of our attendees, Louise, asked, uh, why no bands from the UK? I don't, I'm sorry, there's a bias toward American music here. But when I think of bridging the gap, I think of England and the tube and go. Mind the Gap. Ah, so maybe we'll rename the webinar Minding the Gap. Well said, well said. Um, we've also got some other uh, things you can check out on our website. Beyond the webinars, uh, we have a blog at blog.kinexus.com. And if you're looking for some music to listen to or, or be inspired by, we put together a playlist of songs that have a theme or, or talk about time. So we'll send, this will be in the slides. There's a YouTube link, or for those of you who use Spotify, we've put together a Spotify playlist. So that includes some other songs that we, we cut, like Hootie and the Blowfish, Time. Right. Uh, Tomorrow's Just Another Day, I Don't Believe in Time. Uh, Semi-Sonic Closing Time. You can maybe say, um, you don't have to, to go home, but you can stay and do Kaizen? I don't know. That's <laughs> Wacky things that go on in the Kinexus office. That's a yeah. stretch, so that's why maybe that got cut. I never <laughs> even put that into the slides, but there's some, some good tunes you can listen to, and here's our contact info and, and all of that. And again, we will send out a recording and uh, the slides uh, to everybody. So uh, let's see, questions. Looks like there's a bunch of questions. So here's a question uh, from Raul. I manage 15 people, and I'd like to know if you recommend engaging all of them at the same time or giving one-on-one -on -one sessions for doing Kaizen. I mean, the answer to me is both, but uh, how would you answer that, Mark, in a more eloquent way? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, both. <laughs> um, I think yeah, huddles get people together as a team. Um, there's a time and a place for doing rounding and asking people for ideas or problems that they've seen, looking for people who might be struggling. But I think then when an idea maybe starts with an individual, it very quickly becomes a team activity. Right. You talk about it in the huddle. You, you form a small team. You put it into Kinexus, and people get assigned as participants for that OI. So I think it's a matter of doing both. Most, most Kaizen activity is, is, can't be an individual activity because an improvement I do might affect exactly. you, sure. right? So we have to put our heads together, even if the spark of it comes from an individual. And then we're going to certainly talk in the next webinar about you know turning an idea into an improvement. Part of that is going to be that collaborative process. But what I would recommend is is when you're doing the one-on-one -on -one sessions, I think it's more effective to to make them shorter and more frequent than longer and less frequent. You know. Mm -hmm. Just spend a couple minutes with someone. I wouldn't schedule a formal hour-long meeting to talk about continuous improvement, but more a, kind of a natural part of a day when you're bumping into that person, or you know, schedule a 15 or you know, much shorter type of meeting because a person's going to kind of acquire that knowledge at a much right. deeper and richer level if they're exposed to it over time. 
that and it's easier to get started with small sure. improvements right. we've talked about in other webinars and in things we've written if you have the starting point of not having enough time for improvement and then i say hey carve out a week to do this big huge project right. Right. people choke right. on that it's too much um so that, that i think that's another reason to get the ball rolling um, here's another question that came in. Uh, it seems like much of this is just a function of time management. Do you have any basic time management principles, methodologies that you personally oh, use to manage priorities? That's a great question. Do you want to address that first? Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking on that um, and a lot of actual doing on that for for the last number of years. But um, if in, in, if you haven't seen the website, um, uh, The Secret Weapon, I'd highly recommend it. Um, it's a, a gentleman has put together a series of videos that really kind of combines the mentality of getting things done, a task management system, and the zero email inbox. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, figuring out kind of my workflow on how do I address emails, how do I figure out my tasks, has been revolutionized by, by kind of watching the series of videos and then really practicing on them. And so that would be kind of and my... And you, Personal you, tip, yeah. And you're talking specifically the book by David Allen, Getting the Right Things Done? Or are you just saying the, in just general, the, getting yeah, the right you know, things get, done? Get things, no, it's getting yeah, things done. Getting things right. That, that whole mentality and that philosophy. And I, I didn't read the book, but this, if you watch this video series, you can kind of get the gist of, of the, you know, the way things work, where everything gets funneled in. Mm -hmm. There's certain labels that go on tasks. Tasks get, you know, prioritized. They get, um, you know, put on a certain day that you anticipate doing them. You look at your week on Sunday to plan out your whole week, and ultimately it's significantly decreased my stress levels because mm -hmm. I know I've got a handle on everything and it's going to pop up at the right time, but it's actually I've increased the efficiency of, um, of the work that I'm doing as well. Mm, okay. And I, another framework that comes to mind, um, Stephen Covey often talked about the difference between uh, the urgent and the important. And Kaizen to me is important it might not always be urgent so now we've got the balance between the urgent firefighting the urgent workaround versus the important and i think you know, a lot of that philosophy uh said what well, you you have to choose to make time for the important and right. i guess part of time management is trying to learn how to reduce waste or learning how to be more efficient um it's fun sharing uh, there, there's a website called Lifehacker mm -hmm. that often shares good articles on how can you save time, how can you do things more efficiently, and think about things that you can automate in your own personal life. Um, I spend far less time on uh, bill paying every month. Back in the day when I either used to write checks or I would do online bill pay, mm -hmm. now almost everything just goes to my credit card, right. and I review and pay one bill a month. That saves me time. Right. Uh, scheduling appointments. Sending emails back and forth. When are you free? When are you free? Okay, how about that time? Well, no, now we're not free anymore. Right. Um, I've eliminated a lot of that first by sharing just my calendar for people to see when, not what I was doing, but when I was free. But then I actually learned something that Greg and the rest of the team are using a tool called You Can Book Me, where people can not only see the calendar, but propose an appointment that then fills a slot in my calendar. That saves me a lot of just annoying administrative emails back and forth. And so things like that that you can do to free up time, and I, think uh, you, I think create time for more meaningful, important improvement. And if you go to our blog, um, it's a timely post for 
this webinar as well as the question. Um, there is a blog post recently that talks a little bit about, um, yeah, it was uh, Jeff put it on, uh, posted it on August the 14th, five technologies that increase my efficiency. Okay. So I definitely recommend the person with that question to, to take a look at that blog. Okay, great. Uh, here's another question that just came in. It says, I'm facing a situation where the employees are eager for improvements and changes, but leadership doesn't find time to support it. What do you recommend to change the scenario? Well, I, let, me, let me address this first. So I think here's a situation where if leadership is not willing to make time, if they're not convinced yet, I think that's where, as employees, we need to figure out how to take adv advantage of time when it's available. Um, make some improvements, demonstrate the benefits, and then go make that case to management. Say, look, we found 10 minutes here or 20 minutes there. We made these improvements. And maybe then it starts to take off uh, on its own. Or to go make that case to management and say, hey, if you'd let us stay for an hour, here's the three things we'd like to implement if you make that time available. And if that gives it more of a kickstart, hopefully it can become more self-sustaining once you freed up time, reinvest that time in improvement, free up even more time, spend uh, you know, time uh, doing better quality work for your customers. Um, that, I think that that's one way of approaching that. Yeah, and I think I would add to that, obviously there are organizations that already have leaders that get it. And I think people that work at those organizations you know, partially we're, we're lucky that that's the way it went and, um, and are probably much more satisfied at work. So I think, though, that this talks a little bit about switch and a little bit about start with why. Mm -hmm. Because if, if, the, if the ROI can be compelling and the impact can be extremely visible on what continuous improvement work can do for the organization, then typically leaders, they want the organization to operate better. They want it to provide a better service. They want it to make more money. They want to have, you know, higher, um, you know, loyalty scores from their customers. I mean, so if if the conversation can be articulated in that manner, and we actually did an entire webinar on the ROI mm -hmm. of continuous right. improvement, and, and it can be completely framed in that manner where you can go to the leaders and say, hey, you guys have identified this as being a strategic priority. And right now, you do, you know, we have a team of 10 people working on that. We would like to put a team together of 5,000 people to work on that. Mm -hmm. We can get that many brains thinking about that type of problem and not really framing it on, oh, well, I want to go do this continuous improvement or this kind of sudden stuff. You're just really framing it in the, this is the, this is the outcome I want to provide you. And then they're going to get really interested. And then you can backtrack with how do we get there. Okay, cool. Uh, there's another question here. It says, I just changed to a new position where an earlier management has mismanaged lean principles. Now the mm. team is not interested at all to start over. Any tips on building up interest again? Well, I, I think I have two thoughts about that. One would be maybe to focus less on lean and more on uh, goals, mm. setting a vision. What are we trying to accomplish? I think a lot of times, even with no prior experience, if you ask people, hey, do you want to go implement Lean? They mm -hmm. may look at you with a face that says, mm -hmm. no, who cares? But if you ask, hey, do we want to work to improve safety? Well, yeah. And then maybe introduce methods that are helpful from Lean or other approaches to help accomplish those goals. So I think that can be one approach. Focus, start with why, focus on our goals, instead of just saying, we're going to go do Lean. I think the second approach Maybe it's easier if you're coming in after someone else's mistakes 
than it is to try to reboot things after your own mistakes. Try to kind of just honestly critique what happened before, why it was a problem, why it was wrong, why it was a misapplication or misinterpretation of lane. And so, you know, a lot of times people will give a new leader a fresh chance and say, well, we're going to try doing this differently to accomplish these goals. And, and, and let's try again. Let's do that better. I think starting, I think starting with why though is the key to right, trying right. to reboot those efforts. Right. Start with why and then you not use all the semantics that make it obvious. Oh, you've, I don't know if that's a, you know, kind of a conniving way to do it, but well, <laughs> I think it's, it's a, I think it's getting the, it back to the roots, you know. If the intention's good, it's not conniving, right, right, right. I think, right? Uh, <laughs> um, we might have time for one more question here. How would you recommend holding people accountable to making time for continuous improvement? Well, Kinexus helped me to do that. Greg, mm -hmm. why, why don't you touch on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, th th this is where, this is where kind of that leadership methodology slash technology blend all comes together. So um, aside from certainly you can do the carrot, you can do the stick. I think those are, um, you know, well identified that the carrot's going to work better than the stick. Um, I think it, a really another key component to this is for leadership to have visibility into um, the work. And this is where Kinexus can provide that, right? How do you scale your pockets of excellence to go throughout the whole organization. Well, you need a way to monitor it, right? You need a way to look to see, okay, well, how is this department doing? Um, maybe this department's uh, really exceeding expectation and other departments not doing very much work. So it allows you to kind of have eyes everywhere, right? Yeah. It allows you to figure out, well, what improvements need to be spread and then provides that kind of framework to spread those improvements. But then it provides, you know, the ability to even do kind of cross-departmental um, collaboration and kind of starting to break down those silos. Um, I certainly think that if, if folks are, are using and, and thinking through, well, we need a way to manage information, um, then the, you know, the best way to do that is going to be an optimized system that's going to help manage your continuous improvement efforts and and that's the whole principle of, of why we build the technology because mm -hmm. we realize there's just certain levels and certain questions that can't be answered on on sheets of paper and with email so um, yeah okay well thanks Greg it, it's the top of the hour so we'll go ahead and wrap up thank you Greg um, thank you to everybody who attended um, we invite you to join us again September 10th for our next webinar, we'll send information about that along with the link to the recording and the slides. And, and the last thing I'll mention is that we're now, at the request of a customer of ours, making these webinar recordings available as an audio podcast for people who want to listen to them, let's say in their car or wherever else they listen to podcasts. So if you go to kinexus.com slash podcasts, you can find more information about that. We're incorporating more than just the recorded webinars, but that was the genesis of that podcast series. So as always, thanks uh, for taking time today. Greg, a final thought? I really enjoyed my time during this webinar. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks. <laughs>